Hey there, welcome into another fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Kosmider, Broncos beat reporter at The Athletic. And uh, we're here, it's week 15. The Broncos at seven and six, winners of six of their last seven games, are heading to Detroit to take on the NFC North leading Detroit Lions, who are nine and four, um, have lost two out of their last three. Uh, they're four and three in their last seven, following a five and one start. Um, you know, so this is a game that I, I think the Broncos certainly it's the most difficult game they have left on their schedule uh, in, in terms of strength of opponent going into the game. Right. Denver's final three games are all against teams from the AFC who currently have losing records. The Broncos should be favored in all three of those games, even the road finale against the Raiders. Um, so this is the game. The Broncos are, are four point underdogs. Um, that is probably the most difficult one the Broncos have um, in in terms of winning and advancing their their playoff uh, odds, their playoff hopes. As it stands now, the Broncos are tied for the last seed in the AFC playoff spot. If, if the playoffs were to start today, um, they would not be in due to various tiebreakers. But Denver's also only one game back in the AFC West. I, I did a mailbag at the Athletics uh, this week that sort of laid out exactly what it would have to look like in order for Denver to still win the AFC West. It, it is, to put it simply, a, a, a long shot. Um, but but the fact that the Broncos even even have that chance with four games to go, given where this all started, is pretty incredible. Um, we have a great guest this week. It's my colleague at The Athletic, Colton Pouncey, who does a fabulous job covering the Lions for us. We get into a conversation uh, about what to expect in this game. Um, really great stuff from Colton. Before we get to that, let's just hit on a couple pieces of news. The big one at Broncos headquarters this week is that Greg Dulcich, the second-year tight end who has been on IR since October 13th with his second hamstring injury of the year, the team activated his 21-day window to return from IR yesterday, and he was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. Though Sean Payton did not say with certainty whether Dulcich would play on Saturday against the Lions, uh, it certainly seems to be trending that way for the Broncos, who would get a a big boon in the passing game if they were able to get Dulcich back. Again, this is a guy has only played in two games this year, uh, but this staff raved about him during training camp, his ability to create mismatches, line up multiple spots inside, outside, in-line tight end, um, really has the ability to create some mismatches in the passing game for the Broncos. Um, so that so that is one one to watch. They they have not had a lot of production out that spot. Outside of, you know, last week, Lucas Kroll got his first uh, catch of his career, a 35-yarder that helped set up a field goal. Adam Troutman caught a touchdown pass and, the 54 yards receiving Denver had from its tight ends were the, the most since week one, um, you know, one of the games that Dulcich played in. So, um, again, that would be a big boost to a team that, that could use one, use another weapon in the passing game. Other injury notes to watch this this week, Quinn Miners, who had to go to the uh, uh, Los Angeles area hospital uh, during the game for, for a, a heart issue, um, luckily, everything checked out okay. He spent one night in LA as a precaution, came back, was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. We talked to him in the locker room on Wednesday. He said he expects to be fully ready to go um, for Saturday night. You know, after that 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 scary incident, very very glad to hear that his health, uh, everything checks out, and he's looking good. Two other injury notes to to, uh, to watch: Nick Benito, the outside linebacker, who also left Sunday's game against the Chargers with a knee injury. Uh, he did not practice Wednesday. Um, Sean Payton says that this is not a situation where they fear Benito is going to have to go on IR. Um, but it is, it is a situation where his status is very much up in the air for Saturday. Again, leads the team with seven sacks. If, if he's unable to go, Jonathan Cooper, Baron Browning are, are obviously the starters. 
Drew Sanders, the rookie who began the season as an inside linebacker, has been playing uh, on the edge the last few weeks, got got a healthy amount of snaps against the Chargers. He, he would be another guy in that rotation. And then um, Ronnie Perkins or Thomas Incoom would also likely be um, be active after both were inactive against the Chargers. Last injury note is P.J. Locke. This is another important one to watch. Has really solidified that safety spot during Kareem Jackson's suspension. Has played really well. He has a sack in each of the last three games. He had a has a neck injury that he is dealing with that kind of popped up for him after Sunday's game. He did not practice on Wednesday, so we'll have to kind of continue to see how he goes uh, throughout the rest of the week. Again, Jackson is not eligible to return until week 16 against the Patriots. So if Locke is not able to play, it would be Delarian Turner-Yell, uh, who's filled in there uh, at times, and as, as well as he's played on special teams, he's struggled in that safety spot. Or J.L. Skinner, the rookie uh, who has been active once this year, but hasn't yet played uh, defensive snaps for this team. Um, so that that is another important one to watch. With that, with all that kind of news bundled up and out of the way, let's get right to our conversation this week with my colleague, Colton Pouncey. All right, and welcome back to Not Another Bucking Podcast. Thrilled to be joined this week by my colleague at The Athletic, Colton Pouncey, who has done a marvelous job for us uh, covering this this resurgent Detroit Lions team since they kind of started one and six, which sounds somewhat familiar for Broncos fans. They closed last year eight and two to finish one game out of the playoffs. Uh, and this year they are nine and four, um, a healthy lead in the NFC North, even after dropping two out of their last three games. Colton, man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. What? Uh, let's just let's just start with with kind of that that big picture, right? Detroit is a team that um, you know stormed out of the gates this year. They had that big opening night win on the Chiefs, and, and really ha- have been in cruise control for much of the year until these last few weeks. So, so where where does this team kind of stand right now? Yeah, it's really been you know a tale of two seasons. Uh, they started off five and one. I think you know people were feeling good uh, back then. You know, I, I kind of think the hype got a little out of control when they got to that record. And it's like it went from this year being about, hey, let's just win the division. Let's get in the playoffs and see what we can do to all of a sudden there's talk about this being a Super Bowl contending team. And like, you know, expectations kind of increased from there. And that's natural when you get off to a start like that. But to me, it was always sort of the, a stepping stone year for this team. And um, I didn't think the roster was exactly where it needed to be. And all of a sudden. Um, you get get a, a couple of hiccups on your schedule, and they, they've gone four and three since that five and one start. So, come back down to earth a little bit. Um, turnovers have been an issue. Uh, the defense has kind of fallen back a little bit after a good start. So, I mean, some of the warts of this team were definitely starting to show the last you know seven weeks or so. But overall, it's still a, a team that expects to uh, compete in the playoffs and inching closer to, to locking up a playoff spot. So, I think they're just trying to get through this home stretch right here and see what they can do in January. Yeah, the, these are teams obviously that that are very familiar with one another. I'm sure you've been hearing it all week out there. Um, you know, Sean Payton certainly has been talking uh, a lot about Dan Campbell, who um, you know I, I think is is you know you have Dennis Allen was obviously part of his tree that took over for for Payton in New Orleans, but outside of that, Dan Campbell's kind of like his tree, right? So it, it makes sense that he's got a lot of pride in the way that that Campbell has has really turned that thing around now in his in his third season. Um, you know, I, I, the thing I found interesting Colton was when I was like kind of digging into it because Sean Payton had referenced the lions when Denver fell to one and five. And he's, he has since said, really, I just did that because it was the most recent example, but the way in which they've done it has been, has been similar. Like the, the turnover margin thing 
just just completely flipped for Denver a lot like the way that it did for Detroit. Um, so so now you're saying Detroit's kind of slipping to four and three in their last seven. Uh, and it's it's kind of that same thing. Why do you think they're they're struggling with the, the turnover margin a little bit right now? Yeah, you know, it's tough to say. I think, um, you know, the offensive line has been a little banged up. Uh, Frank Ragnall, the center, um, he's missed, he missed the last game. Sounds like he'll be able to play this week, but he's been kind of in and out of the lineup. Same thing with Jonah Jackson, their starting left guard. Um, Taylor Decker, their left tackle, is dealing with a back injury. And, you know, when the offensive line isn't healthy and playing up to their best, I think that kind of has a trickle-down effect on the rest of the offense. Um, Jared Goff, as we know, is a quarterback that when everything is in structure and, and set up nicely around him, he can be a very productive quarterback in this league. But um, when he doesn't have a clean pocket and he has to kind of, you know, operate out of structure, things can get a little messy there. And um, <clears throat> turnovers can certainly pile up. Um, last game he had a few turnovers. The game before that against, um, you know, Green Bay, he had a couple turnovers there as well. Uh, Chicago, I think he turned them over three times. So they're starting to pile up for him. So I think it all starts with the offensive line and getting that group healthy and playing at their best because um, that's one of the best units in the league when they are on top of their game, but they just haven't been that way of late. And I think it's kind of had a trickle-down effect on the rest of the offense. And, you know, as a result, the rest of the team, because the offense is the strength of this team, the defense was always kind of a work in progress this year. They went, I think they were last in yards allowed a year ago. Yeah. They've gotten back to kind of middle of the pack this year, but um, the red zone defense is pretty rough. So I don't think you could expect the same results uh, that you can from an offense that was top five last year. That's sort of the bread and butter of this team. So when that, that unit's not playing well, you know, you kind of see the effect on the rest of the team. Yeah. You know, I think most quarterbacks are, are, are better with, with a clean pocket, but our colleague Jason Starrett, um, you know, in his true media notes this week kind of pointed out that or illustrated that that difference for Goff is, is a, quite a bit wider in terms of when, when he's facing that pressure, um, you know, kind of his drop when he's clean pocket, he's as really as good as anyone in the league this year. Um, so, so for Broncos, it, it's going to be a matter of trying to, trying to get after him. Um, you know, Denver is, an, that's another thing, just like the lions last year where they started figuring out things with their, with their pass rush. And, and part of it for Denver has been this ability to get defensive backs home, you know, Jaquan McMillan and the nickel spot has been a revelation for the Broncos ever since he kind of got put into a starting role in week four. And, and it's, it's sort of helped me appreciate just how critical, you know, that spot in the defense is. Um, so which leads me to this question, how much have the lions missed Chauncey Gardner Johnson? Because I saw your tweet this morning saying, Hey, there, his windows about to get started that he's going to actually be able to get back pretty soon. Obviously not this week. Yeah. They missed him a whole lot for a few reasons. I mean, starting with on the field, this guy that led the league in interceptions a year ago, this defense has not created a ton of spas plays and turnovers this year. And that's a guy that can absolutely do that as soon as he's ready to, ready to go. Um, sounds like it'll be a few more weeks. I, I would expect him to return to practice maybe next week, and then maybe they get him out there for the game against the Cowboys in late December. But, yeah, he's still a few weeks away, but working his way back, that's good news for them as they um, kind of look towards the playoffs a little bit. Um, but, yeah, that's a guy they've been missing this year in terms of his coverage ability. He kind of hits like a linebacker. He's sort of this do-it-all piece. They were actually playing him more at um, safety than nickel um, just because they have Brian Brantz, the, the Alabama draft pick, who's yeah. just been pretty good there. Um, but in terms of what he can do, creating turnovers and, you know, stopping the run, he's pretty much a do-it-all DB back there. And also just, like, the energy he brings. I know that's something that they talk about a lot with him, but, I mean, he talks a lot of trash out there. He gets his guys ready to go. Like, guys love playing with him because he kind of raises that level um, uh, pretty high for those guys. And that's something that Lions players have kind of been, been mentioning all this week is that they feel like they've lost their swagger defensively that they were playing with early in the season. So, 
getting a guy like that who can not only help you on the field but can maybe boost your confidence off of it, I think is, uh, you know, that'd be pretty big for the Lions right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and like you said, obviously that's going to be uh, a couple weeks down the road. So so what do you see, Colton, as as the biggest, I guess, priority markers as you've kind of looked at this matchup? What are, what are the biggest priority points that the Lions need to hit from your perspective uh, in order to get their 10th win of the year? Yeah, I think it starts with the run game. Again, getting that offensive line right. Even when they've been struggling in pass protection, they, the offensive line has still been paving the way for those running backs. But I almost feel like, you know, the turnovers have put them in a bad position to where they're almost playing catch up and they have to throw. You get away from the run a little bit. Um, so I think being, you know, having a conscious effort about your run game early on and trying to get that going will help you set the tone. Um, you're not going to have many turnovers. Obviously, it's kind of starting with golf and that offensive line. So if the running backs get going early, I think that kind of helps him out and makes him feel more comfortable and he can get into a rhythm. Um, so I would start with the run game offensively. And then defensively, it's, you know, creating turnovers and, you know, pressure and dialing that up. That's been an issue for the Lions all season. But they started to add some new pieces a little bit. They got Bruce Irvin, who they basically signed off the couch just because they needed some pass rush help. Um, he missed the last game with um, an ankle injury, but it sounds like he's going to be good to go for this week. Um, he made his debut against the Saints a few weeks ago, got a sack immediately. So um, they're they're hopeful that they can kind of get that pass rush going a little bit. Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson had a big sack drought, I want to say, that lasted you know, maybe six games, something like that. He got his first one last week in a while. So I think they feel like that unit's trending in the right direction, but you got to keep it going a little bit. So we'll see what happens Saturday. Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that, um, you know, uh, Bruce Irvin would not mind um, getting in there if he plays and getting a sack or two on, on Russell Wilson, his old his old teammate. That'll be that'll be an interesting one to see. I was going to ask you about a Aiden Hutchinson. It's interesting. Like, I think part of what the Broncos have done really well in winning six out of their last seven games to get themselves back into the to the thick of the playoff hunt is Sean Payton does a really good job um, neutralizing what it is like a team's you know biggest threat, um, and so that that has allowed them to outside of Will Anderson who who got got going a little bit in the Texans game. You know, whether it was Khalil Mack, whether it was Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, they've really done a decent job neutralizing an opponent's top top pass rusher. What what when 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 Aiden Hutchinson is going right, what is it that he that he does that's able to, um, you know, flummox even a defense's or an offense's best effort to contain him? Yeah, he's just pretty relentless. I mean, even when he's chipped or, you know, double teamed, he kind of works through it and keeps going. That motor never really stops. So. Um, I would say he's kind of further back. And if you're looking at the top edge rushers in the league, I don't think he has like the pure athleticism or um, the pass rush moves that some other guys have, but he's going to win with his motor and his effort more often than not. Um, and so that's something that is kind of hard to hard to game plan around. Like you can chip him, you can put a running back on him, you know, provide some extra help. But if things funnel back his way, he's going to be the guy that finishes and cleans it up. So um that's certainly something that's, that's happened for him this year. I think he's third in the league in pressures. And the sack, sack totals are actually pretty down this year. But um, I would say that's more – he doesn't have a lot of help around him. Um, yeah. The Lions, that's why they're signing a guy like Bruce Irvin off the couch, you know. Um, so I think when – but when Hutch is right, um, he can definitely be a disruptive force. Um, so that's something that the Broncos offensive line, I'm sure, is game planning around for sure this week. Yeah. Um, how, how often do you get, do you get hit up uh, by people about fantasy questions between – uh, Jameer Gibbs and, and David Montgomery. I, I can only imagine just how much like you're getting blamed for it or whatever the case might be. You know, I wrote a fantasy article before the season because I, I love fantasy football myself. Yeah, yeah like, me too. I've been rolling I, I see, all year. Yeah, exactly. 
So it's like I see what's happening in trading camp. So if I can pass along some knowledge with my own eyes and help you guys out, you know, if, you know, it can be mutually beneficial. See? And so I put a story together and I was like, there's absolutely room for both of these running backs to kind of have a role. I think Montgomery's going to be the goal line back, and that's kind of proven true this year. Uh, but Gibbs is going to get his fair share of touches, and he's also more dynamic in the passing game. So I think there's room for both of these guys to kind of eat in this offense. Um, and I also said, if you got a late-round flyer and you're looking for a tight end, you haven't drafted one yet, look at Sam LaForta because he was the second most targeted receiver um, on this team in training camp behind, like, Amaral St. Brown. So the fact yeah. that Jared Goff trusted him so much as a rookie tight end coming into this league, I saw that in training camp. You kind of saw him dominating since rookie minicamp, really. Um, so I'm like, that guy's going to be good. I would, ta- I would take a flyer on him if you have, like, a 12th-round pick, something like that. And um, I hope people listen to me. I'm not sure if yeah, they I, do, hope, but, I hope uh, you're getting thank you cards for that one because, uh, yeah, late-round right? flyer, that, that is looking – that is look, he's winning people's leagues. Uh, you know, yeah. the tight end thing is interesting this week because, um, you know, Greg Dulcich, who, who the Broncos ended up being one of the better rookie tight ends last year despite only playing in 10 games – he had 33 catches, 411 yards, two touchdowns, a guy that could really operate well up the seam, create mismatches. And the Broncos were really excited, Sean Payton was, in training camp because he, he has this tag he calls a joker player, right? This guy that can create mismatches in various personnel groupings. Um, he's only played in two games, exited both of them before halftime, uh, has been on IR for about two months. But he practiced this week, looks like he has a potential um, to, to play. How has, how has Detroit's – how has Detroit done this year handling the tight end spot? It's been pretty hit or miss. Um, you know, I think Alex Anzalone is pretty good in coverage, but he has some games where he kind of disappears in moments, and, you know, these tight ends can get loose at times. Um, Jack Campbell is rookie linebacker. He's kind of learning on the go. He's had some bright spots, but also some times where he's looked like a rookie linebacker. So uh, I think the Seahawks really exposed the Lions, you know, pass coverage in terms of linebackers and getting tight ends involved. So, if I'm the Broncos, that's probably a blueprint I try to follow, getting those guys involved early and often. And then, um, yeah, we'll see how it happens Saturday. But that's that would be an area I would look to attack this Detroit defense for sure. Yeah. Um, well, Colton, uh, I'm excited, man. It's, it's going to be a good one Saturday night. Bo- both of these teams, um, you know, need it for, for various reasons. The Broncos kind of more or less need to win out. This is probably one they could afford to drop because if they then sweep the three AFC teams against which they're favored, they'd – They'd finish ten and seven, but you know you, you don't want to lose all margin for error down down the stretch. So they're both looking for it. Any any kind of final thoughts you have for this one? No, it should be a good matchup. Um, you know the NFL really flexed this game to my birthday, so I have to work oh. on on Saturday. But you know at least they gave us a good matchup, and you know this is really intriguing. You got the storylines between Dan Campbell and Sean Payton. Um, you got two teams maybe trending in opposite directions a little bit, but. Um, I think what you mentioned earlier about kind of the the, the uh, Broncos using the Lions as sort of a blueprint for getting their season back on track. I think that's so fascinating. And just hearing the way these coaches talk about each other is really cool. So um, should be a good matchup for sure. I'm excited yeah. to see it. Well, the only, the only plus for, for Saturday night then is that, that in our in our world, the day before a game tends to be a little bit a little bit lighter. So hopefully you get to yeah. maybe go out, go out tomorrow and, and celebrate, man. Happy early birthday, and thanks so much for coming on with us today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to get out a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. Please subscribe. Give us a give us a review. Tell your friends. Um, we appreciate all you guys listening to the Not Another Bucking podcast. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. <laughs>